Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to Creative Kale, where, as a spin-off to our usual box set podcast, I talk to someone with uh, interesting perspectives on the world to make sense of the world of creative management. Uh, Previously, I've spoken to the Director of Photography of the West Wing and to a hugely successful TV presenter and comedian, and now a guest that I'm possibly even more excited to speak to uh, and comes perhaps more from the business end of the equation than my previous guest, so it's going to be fascinating. He has held many top roles in hospitality through his life and has journeyed between companies and positions and was so talented that he made it to Walt Disney World Resort as executive vice president. This man has uh, his own world of material at the moment online that you can see if uh, people interested in the subject of management and creativity and all things magical, uh, ranging from his own app to uh, Lessons in Leadership blog, his own podcast, which is excellent, and whole books that he somehow found the time to write, all on his website, leecockerell.com. Please welcome Lee Cockerell. Hi, Lee. Hi there, good to be with you. <laughs> My goodness, are you okay? I'm worried that you might be monopolizing the world of work for 20 other people. Well, I'm actually organized. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that, that helps. That's the secret. And- yeah, I, I schedule books to write in, and then I schedule a nap, and I schedule going out to dinner. <laughs> so I, I get it all in. I'm the same, Lee. Do you, do you use a specific um, kind of app for that? I just use lists in my phone. Actually, I teach a time management seminar now and i told everybody to forget those apps none of them work right you ought to go back to a day timer a planner put it yeah. in your pocket paper works better yeah. and most people who go back after they read my book um they say they don't know why they left in the first place <laughs> i mean so, technology is good for a lot of things but it's not good for everything so in a way yeah. what your book does is say all of these books that have been around for 15 years ignore them throw yeah. them away get back to basics i like that i'm the same i just use the notes in my phone and everything's on yeah. there from you know buy bin bags buy trash yeah. bags to yeah. um uh, i've not quite put go to the toilet but i'm almost there <laughs> it is the biggest problem people have, not being organized and yep. disciplined and keeping their promises and doing what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, as you know, uh, I've spoken to lots of creative people making entertainment, and uh, I know that you're not particularly the performer, although you get to do podcasts and you're, you're being creative and writing books. Um, but what I've heard of you so far is that you are a good boss. Would you describe yourself, Lee, as having been a good boss for your for the entirety of your career well i don't know if i've been a good boss all of my career but i've been a good boss most of my career yeah and i i at first when i started out are you there yes here yeah yeah i heard a noise here so uh, when i first started out in my career i was a good manager i'm very disciplined i'm very organized i get things done 
But I must say, in the beginning, I probably used my position and a little more intimidation than I should have to get things done. But I learned over time that really the way you get things done is to build trust. Mm-hmm. If people don't trust you, they won't do the work for you. They won't do as much for you as you need them to do. And so I, uh, I have, um, I'm pretty good at hiring, so I hire the right people. I hire the experts. I take my time when I hire somebody. And uh, then I let them do their job. I don't try to micromanage them. I expect them to do their job. And then that means I have to spend my time where I can make a difference. And so that was one. I tell people the truth. I tell them when they, I hire them and when they work for me that you'll always hear the truth from me, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, because I want you to be successful, just like your mother used to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. and because she loved you mm-hmm. and wanted you to be successful. I think a lot of leaders don't do that. Mm. I will make sure you get trained and developed so you can have a better life down the road. We'll get you the right training or you'll get the right feedback. You'll get the, the things you need to know to improve your skills. Uh, I will expect you to help train yourself also, whether it's listening to my podcasts or reading my books or reading other books or other podcasts. you got to educate yourself because I need people who want to learn and want to be better. And... Uh, I don't overreact. I'm very low-key. I don't scream and yell. I don't try to intimidate anybody. I don't raise my voice to anybody. I don't threaten anybody. I just uh, am clear with them. And then um, if I have a tough conversation with somebody, it's very quiet. I just tell them the truth. And, hey, this is not working, guy. You're coming to work late. The way you speak to people in a meeting is inappropriate. And I need that to stop or you're not going to be able to stay here. And, you know, just tell the truth. Don't spin it. Uh, Then there's clarity. You know, the biggest problem we have in life, people are not clear. When you're clear, there's no misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I did. And I tried to make myself better all the time. I tried to help people with their aspirations, help them with the interviews, get them into the right jobs, uh, that kind of stuff. I just looked after them. And I guess that's the key in life. Look Look after your people like you look after your kids. Do you also, did you find, and do you think when you think back to, you mentioned the early days when perhaps you were you were a little more um, harsh or less about trust, yeah. um, do you look back and think actually also that is more exhausting to be a kind of micromanager or to be on people's backs is more exhausting than when you learn to trust people? Absolutely. I mean, when you think you got to do everything or sign everything or be involved in everything, it's mm-hmm. torture and you end up working longer hours and Saturday and Sunday and all the time. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. When you trust people and you, and you take your time to hire the right person and be clear with them what their responsibilities are and then let them do their job, that gives you time to do whatever you need to do in your own, but go make sales calls or work on the hiring process or whatever you're good at. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you just get a lot more done. And by the way, when people know you trust them, they get more done too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. So, and, uh, and I also find when people feel like it's something I teach my students a lot as well. Um, I often say to them, you know, uh, particularly students because they've spent their life in education and they've not they've not been outside of that that circle. I often find there's a challenge with. Um, I always tell them to try and think that everything was their idea. So if they're given a brief. If they're given, you know, they've got to do certain things to pass this test, uh, you know, they, particularly with projects in creative fields. So they might have to create a portfolio of work based on a certain subject. I often say to them, you know, if you can if you can think that this was your idea and not me telling you to do this, yeah. you, you will you'll enjoy it more and you'll achieve more and you'll actually think more like you than than me is that there's something in in the empowerment of that which is which always brings surprises 
Well, everybody wants to be appreciated. Everybody wants to know they matter. That's a, kind of the human need in life. And everybody needs appreciation, recognition, encouragement. Yeah. And when you give them that, they do better than they ever thought they could. Yeah. You built because you built their self confidence and self esteem and belief in themselves. And that's really the name of the game. A lot of people are very insecure and then they don't think they can do it. Mm-hmm. I always tell people don't underestimate what you can do. Don't underestimate it. Even if you need help, you can ask for help, but you can do it. And don't be uh, just because you maybe you didn't build that self confidence security when you were growing up. Keep focus. Go out there in the world and make it happen. You can do it. It's funny because I used to be, um, well, you know, particularly in my 20s, because I think a lot of people are in their 20s, I was fearless. And I was, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't think I could do, I, I thought I was better than everybody at what, <laughs> what I was doing. And then you uh, learn things about life and you learn that there's perhaps more nuance to, <laughs> to things. And um, uh, and the, the, it was really interesting to me that, that in the last couple of years that my presenting partner and I were, were on the radio, um, I, I think we probably went a year and a half without anybody ever saying anything good to us, anything encouraging. And yeah, I think there was terrible. a, yeah, I think there became a, a sort of mentality in certain certain managers that we had that really believed that the way you get the best out of people is to scare them into it. Is, yeah. the, is this an unusual experience or do you hear about this a lot? Do you hear that people genuinely think that cracking the whip is the only way? forward oh, oh i hear that a lot not only that they believe that uh they're the only ones that know anything they don't trust anybody and they're going to intimidate people half the time the boss doesn't even know knows less than the people they're managing and they don't ask their opinion and uh people don't feel like uh, they matter and uh yeah. and then there's companies who are doing a good job of making sure they want all their people to step up and be involved in the company and but, where does that come from where how does somebody get to that position as a manager do you think where, where do they come to that conclusion that that's the best way to to achieve results well, I think it starts at the top, and I think there's people out there that they understand their own values. They understand treating people respectfully. They knew that even before they came the boss and became the CEO. Mm-hmm. They probably learned that at home. They probably have those kind of values that they live up to of respect and inclusiveness and uh, giving up, not applying any bigotry or racism to their decisions, that everybody is good and everybody has a chance and mm. and treat people as individuals and there are people who do that and then there are people who don't because they were raised in a different way and they're insecure and authoritarian and mm. and that takes you down the wrong path but wow. this is it's changing because young people today won't hang around if you don't treat them right i mean <laughs> in the u.s they quit i mean they'll yeah. be gone yeah so well i think well, it's partly because you that we know now um the younger generation perhaps we are aware that there isn't a job for life in many places so the, the uh, there isn't it's not worth it's not worth putting up with because you think well there's no massive pension at the end of this there's no we're likely to be moving on in five years anyway so we may as well move on now you know yeah and the company will fire you the first time there's a problem anyway yeah. so they're you know you got to think about it if the company's not committed to you you're not going to be committed to them and uh, most people don't trust companies they don't trust leadership they don't trust anybody they don't believe anybody what anybody says and that's the kind of it takes a lot of work to create an environment in a culture where people believe you and trust you and you got to work on that every day because mm-hmm. you get more done they'll do more you get make more profits you make uh, less turnover you all the good things that happen when you have trust with people 
And so, yeah. And by the way, you said that uh, you used to think that you knew everything. Well, I did too. But you don't need to know everything, but you need to start, you need to learn something new every day. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. make sure at least you're getting better. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And and learn off others. You know, know that there's, uh, I, I, when I, I was a theatre director before anything else. I trained as a theatre director. And um, I used to see how different directors treated casts. And there were the two types that you've just talked about, really. There was the, the fascist and there was the um, uh, the opposite of a fascist, I suppose. There was someone who believed that they could um, get the best out of these 12 brains in front of them by knowing that, that, that 12 brains equals 12 times the genius. And then there was the guy who believed that... His brain was the yeah. only thing that that mattered, and and it, and it just killed everyone else's brain, and you ended up with something worse. But it, I, I seem to have seen it a lot. I, I wonder about when, how much of this way of thinking was formed in you before you went to Disney, and how much came from working at Disney. I would say I learned a lot of it at Marriott. I worked for Hilton eight years, and they were pretty authoritarian. Because, by the way, it was back in the 70s where leadership, that's the way leaders led everywhere. Yeah. And then I went to Marriott, who was a family organization, and they were very, they were excellent to how they treated people, respect, inclusiveness, uh, mm. took care of people, helped you with your career, get, did good training. That's where I really started to learn about uh, my behavior had more impact than my knowledge. And uh, so, yeah, that's I was lucky to work for them. They were terrific. I stayed there 17 years, and then I started thinking about leadership. I read about it. I started reading about it. I started thinking about it. I started going to seminars about it to understand how you become a good leader, what it looks like to the people being led, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I gradually but I got better and better and better at it. And uh and I got I was pretty insecure in my early days. So as I got yeah. more secure, I didn't have to tell people what to do. I just be, I tell people we need less bosses and more teachers. Yeah, I mean, that, people are just trying to intimidate people and, te you know, boss them around. Those days are over. Yeah. If you want to be successful. Yeah. And yeah. also, I, I always um, I always kind of think of the world uh, at its uh, simplest level and go back to sort of a caveman. <laughs> caveman days <laughs> and i think okay so when was the first time we needed uh, a leader um let's say there were two of us around the campfire and one of us had to do collect the wood and one of us had to make the flame that's that's good but then there was a bunch of people and we needed to make five fires and the quickest way of doing this before sun went down would be for some kind of group organization and from that, you can either imagine that there was this boss that was shouting at everyone and telling them which way they should do it, or there was someone who naturally had to take the wider perspective to enable everybody to do their fire lighting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think sometimes it is natural. I mean, mm. it's not, you know, you can even watch a group of young kids playing. You can you can spot you can tell who the boss is and who's in charge, yeah. and who who not not so much who people will listen to and who they take direction from, because yeah. they trust them and they believe in them and either that person's shown skill or sensitivity or something, yeah. And and bosses emerge even sometimes the people who make the most impact in a business is not even the boss it's somebody down below that has influence with everybody, yeah. And if they say it's right, then you people will do it and. Um, I, 
they, leaders come in all shapes and sizes and ages. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion. Mm. So let's uh, let's get on to Disney. So I, I'm I am very I'm fascinated by uh, both Walt Disney's story. Have you read uh, Neil Gabler's book about Disney? About Walt no, Disney? I don't, uh, no, I don't think so. Well. It's this this book that I picked up, and it was one of those books where you uh, you start reading it and you go, oh, this is this is hard work. It was kind of very academic, down to every detail of Walt's great 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 grandfather and mother, <laughs> and which farm tractor they bought first, and things. Yeah. And uh, and I put it down, and nine months later, I was uh, lying in the bath, and I didn't have anything to read, and I picked it up again, and it became the best book I've ever read in my life. I was fascinated by wow. it, and I've never been. Yeah, a, yeah. I, I'm not um, a Disney. I am, a fan, of course, I'm a fan of Disney films and stuff, but I'm not a kind of uh, nerd around that stuff. I haven't seen everything. But I've always been fascinated from my view of um, management about the Disney experience because it is the closest thing that I can see to a perfect production, you know, a brilliant experience for people who go. Um, and I, I often tell, people, tell others about Disney, and I, I think that you can finally put me straight... So, here's my story of Disney in one minute, and you can tell me whether that fits with your experience and, and how that works, okay? Yes, sir. So, uh, Walt Disney uh, started by getting the best talented people he could together, animators from around the world, and he, he was obsessive over the product. He was obsessive over making a better quality product than anybody else, and he knew that that's what would work. He fought tooth and nail, a lot like Charlie Chaplin did, because um, they both had brothers in charge of their finances. So they could have a fight with the money guy, and they could win, and spend all the money and make these amazing products. And then uh, success came, a war came, Walt felt more and more pressure, unions started, he suddenly realised uh, what it was like to be in charge of large numbers of people. Uh, the company went public and he had much less say over the perfection of films. What happened then was he kind of retracted a little bit, he went spent a lot of time working on this other project a bit of a secret project in a shed somewhere he got some of his favorite creative people a lot like he did at the beginning with animators he got some people he called imagineers he created a uh, train track around his garden and that formed part of the thing he was creating with these people which turned into disneyland California and that if you like was later in his life the second time that he, he managed to find this energy to be obsessive over, over the experience of the audience and that then happened and in recent years uh, John Lasseter returned or yeah returned to Disney and brought with him a similar kind of obsession to story and quality and all of that and uh, those things have worked hand in hand with the, with the best results um, and Disney World and Disneyland have always seemed to me to be the embodiment of how um, how that formula works at its best. So I, I walk around Disney World, Florida, and everything from the queuing system to the way the shops are laid out to the to the health and safety. Everything is is uh, uh, customer focused, not just in a kind of oh we'll give you what you want. It's in a an absolutely perfect way in a story driven way it's about my experience more than more than any other business that i can think of i think uh, there's there's my story of disney 
Yeah. Well, I think you're right on because I can tell you even today at Disney, the way we focus on making sure we're excellent is, as I said, we hire better. We take our time. We look for the experts in the frontline positions that meet the guests. We're looking for great attitudes. And then we do we do a great job of training, testing, and enforcing our training. So everybody knows their role in the show, and they perform it, including the managers, which have to be out and about in the parks and mm-hmm. and have to look after the cast and help them and uh, stay cool and calm and collected. And everybody knows their role, and everybody knows the behavior expected. They know that we are focused on the guests at Disney World. That's the most important thing. That's what keeps them coming back. Mm-hmm. And half our business comes from referrals of people going home and saying how great it was. Yeah. And uh, so we do that. Hire right. We train better, and then we have a better culture, frankly. And to achieve, I mean, I mean to achieve that, it, it must take some. Uh, you, you must have to be a, a not a hard boss, but you have to have qualities that will. Oh, I, I'm trying to say those bad managers that we've talked about who believe that you rule with a whip. There must be an element of um, of of that. And yet, everyone who is playing their parts seems so well cast. That that seems the secret to me. The secret seems to be well, getting yeah. the right people. It is, and our leaders know the expectations of what we expect. You know, when I wrote that book, Creating Magic, it came from the great leader strategies at Disney of what our expectations are for leaders. Right. And every leader knows, and we are better at hiring today. We filter these people out that are these uh, lone rangers that want to intimidate people and push people around. Dude. And if they, if we hire them and they start doing that, they get fired. I mean, how do you find that out? How do you? Because I, that's the other thing I've often wondered. I, I, I've often, you know, had an immediate boss perhaps who's who's like that, but it can take years for the bosses above them to realize what's going on. Well, first of all, we do a few things. We take an annual survey, anonymous, for every leader from their people. We also have every executive has a confidential voicemail that people can leave messages on, and they don't have to leave their name. And then we, uh, we uh, the cast members speak up if they're not being treated right, and it gets around. I mean, our managers are out and about. We know what's going on, and and uh, wow, and and uh, it doesn't take long before the cast members say, "Hey, I got a job." A boss here who's a jerk. He's not. He's not following the way you talked about it, Lee. Yeah. You say he's supposed to be doing this and that, and he's not doing it. And then we got to investigate that. We get involved in it, and then if, if it's true, we get rid of him. Wow. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So yeah. you got to You got. You know, it's like if you want to join a performance, and yeah. they tell you, "Here's your job. You're the main actress, and you're supposed to do this." And that. then you got to do that. You can't make it up as you go. Yeah. You can't do your own thing. Yeah. And that's what we, I think we have just a total clarity about what each person's job is, their behavior, mm-hmm. how they respect and include and involve people. And if you don't do that, you're just not going to be here. And that's it. I want to give you an example of where I've seen that recently. I was at uh, Disneyland Paris, which I've been to a few times. And um, there was a, uh, we came off a ride and the security people were lined up uh, taking us in a different direction and we weren't sure why and around the corner there was a, a young kid who had autism I think and he was having a panic attack and oh. making a lot of noise and um, and the way that it was dealt with 
was unbelievably smooth. Like, it, it was just so well rehearsed. The kid was given space. It was obviously kind of autism-friendly training had been given. He had the space to react. There was someone near him, but not overcrowding him. The crowds were moved a lot further away than perhaps they would in other situations. You know, and it was just this... It was another moment where I just went, oh, this is, you know... It's it's such a well choreographed and and brilliantly um, orchestrated thing to have everyone play their parts in that in that way. Well, it is, and I would say Disney is at, at its even at its best in a crisis. We are so well trained, and we have trained everybody, and there's a procedure, and safety is the number one thing at Disney. And uh, our people are so. I mean, nine eleven, we handle it fine. Hurricanes, we handle it fine. Uh, accidents, I mean. That's all training. That's anticipating something's going to have and training for the day it happens, and so everybody knows what to do. Wow. And that's the key. When does, a lot of people, most companies don't do that. Just uh, on a practical level, when it comes to training, if you want to, if you want to uh, for, for example, you know, I imagine there's kind of terrorism drills and or, or, yeah. or bomb scare drills and things. When do you actually get to do that because it's open all year? <laughs> we actually... Uh, we um, have a company that puts us through simulations mm-hmm. two or three times a year. Right. You might get a call at three in the morning that something's happened—a shooting, wow. uh, something, uh, some gas release, or yeah. anything—and we have to open the command center in 30 minutes. We have 22 command centers in each property, plus the main one where I would go, and we manage it from there. And everybody knows what to do, and we have everybody in there. We start, we start working with radio stations to tell them employees what to do and what time to come in and what or we're not to come in and we just have a whole protocol for how we handle it and we're there and everybody's on duty and on 9-11 i would say by the plane hit the world trade center at 8:45, the first one by 9:30, 9:40, we had all the parks closed started evacuating everybody had everybody out of the parks back in their hotels safely wow. and that because we had practiced that many times. We didn't know it was going to be 9-11, but we didn't know what it would be. Yeah. So, yeah. But we practiced for something's going to happen, and I want everybody to know what to do if it does happen. Like in your home, if yeah. you have kids, you, you have a fire drill in the mm-hmm. middle of the night or this or that, and you mm-hmm. tell them where to go, what to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have a fire extinguisher, and you you know, it's just a matter of anticipating that something's going to happen. I can't tell you how excited this makes me. <laughs> from from uh, my earliest memory, the thing that always fascinated me about theatre or shows or anything wasn't what was going on on the stage. It was what was going on backstage. And, exactly. and that was what I was always fascinated with. And the idea of 22 command centres and, and this level of organisation is just... Oh, it's just... Uh, what, a, what a great... I think, I think it's a, there's something really special to working in anything related to entertainment. And it, and I've often thought that all, you know, bit McDonald's or the local, the local shop, the more they could think like entertainers, the better the business would be. Absolutely, because every business is that's what they're doing is putting on a show, and they don't realize it. Yeah. Some of them are putting, some of them are putting on a pretty bad show. Yeah, so, <laughs> a lot of and, them. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, you just gotta, even in your personal life, you gotta anticipate. What are you gonna do if some this that happens? That happens. This happens. Uh, Lee, yeah. did you ever wake up your kids at three in the morning doing a fire drill? I didn't. But, uh, <laughs> I, I probably would now since I learned all that at Disney. About you got to be prepared. I don't even know if you can wake kids up at three in the morning. You might not. <laughs> probably but not. But you you can carry them out the door. Carry but, them out. Uh, uh, wake yeah. up in the garden wondering what Dad's doing. 
exactly. uh, it's it's very strange talking to you, Lee, because most people that I talk to, the which which side of the brain is supposed to be the creative one? Is it the left brain or the right? I brain? don't know. Oh, neither one. Of, neither one of mine are creative. <laughs> most people I talk to are are, are kind of um, you know come from an artistic background, perhaps you know, more fluid, and you're. Um, you are so straight down the line. Like you said at the very beginning of this, you tell people as it is. And it's... I can't tell you how refreshing it is to me, for me, to hear somebody say what I've always thought, but I've always thought that was wrong. And you <laughs> say it like it's common sense, which to me, it does seem common sense. You just go, why would you, why would you not care about your product? You know, why would you not care about your audience experience? That would be insane. Where do, where are they going wrong? Where do, where do these entertainment companies to, uh, I mean, they, they think that they can cut a corner. For me, in the, certainly in radio experience and in theatre and in the, those creative things, there was this kind of, there was this world where people just made creative things for love and for fun and then business got involved and at first the you know there were big stars the radio star the the tv star and and then some companies uh, particularly it feels in britain like they they inherited what was being learned in america the exciting world of america <laughs> uh, and and they adopted the worst practices <laughs> so 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 they took on the idea of cutting a corner or paying somebody nothing uh you know of maximizing the profit margin by skimping on the product and yeah. and so many people still think that that is that's the way to do it you know why yeah. on earth would you fund the product when you don't have to you go know, why would you you know the, if if one of those companies took over disney they go why would we need 22 command centers let's have one yeah, you know exactly. why do you need a carpet yeah. well let's yeah. just have concrete it's yeah i think we learn we we pay i would say most every decision we make at disney is focused around the customer and that's probably why we make better decisions we really think how's this going to impact the customer are they going to be happy with this? Are they going to be? Is it going to be magical? We always talk about how great we are. Is this really great? Mm. And so, just kind of that—it's part of the culture that to think about. And that's how Walt always did. He thought about the customer. What, how's this going? He always upgraded things. You know, he came out with Technicolor when it was all black and white movies. He always was upgrading and yeah. looking at how to make the customers want the product more. And so it, it's a culture, and it all starts at the top. For companies that are great, they have a great person at the top usually. And if people are average, they have an average person running the company. And, do you um, know when you're talking then about upgrading? I, I think actually it, there there must be something to do with when you say uh, okay. So you, let's talk about the queuing systems at Disney. I bore my friends with this. I always say, you know, if you're queuing to get on a ride, uh, you go through a story. And even if you're right at the back of that queue and there's a two-hour wait, you will be standing on a piece of ground which has got a particular type of tile you'll have uh, you'll have something on the wall which begins to tell the story of the ride that you're about to get on and there won't be any gaps in that there won't be any chips in that tile you know everything is important now what you just said is is the idea that if companies looked at the floor and said uh, well why would we need a tile why don't we just use concrete that's cheaper than tiling yeah. If they need to have the imagination or the empathy to be able to 
it, it's almost subjectivity, isn't it? How how can they build a great product if they have no taste? So so if they don't like tiles, if they're yeah. fine with concrete, then it'll be concrete. <laughs> yeah, and I think you got to think about it. telling the story is the key, and you got to know what the story is, and uh, you got to remember, like you said a second ago, everything matters if you want to be great. If you mm. don't want to be great, everything doesn't matter, mm. and. Uh, that's uh, the best companies in the world, you know, Apple or Costco or American Express. Everything matters from the introduction to how you meet people to how they be- treat you when you have a problem to litter and sanitation and bathroom cleanliness and you name it. It all matters if you want to be great. And I really think, you know, greatness and excellence is a state of mind. You either have it or you don't. Yes. If you don't have it. You're going to make the wrong decisions. That's and, it. That's exactly it. You, you, I, I, this is the first time. This is what you've, uh, I've discovered today. Is I'm imagining now that if you went into the home of one of the bosses that, that you and I would say is a, not a very good boss and doesn't have this imagination around detail, <laughs> if you went into one of their homes, it would probably be the most awful decorated home. It's almost. Probably. It's not their. <laughs> it's not their fault that they are the way they are. They just wouldn't think to put a nice carpet down because they don't know what a nice carpet is. <laughs> there, you, there you go. I mean, it's true. You only know what you know. Yeah. yeah. That's why I tell everybody, travel, go visit art museums, uh, go yeah. and get outside your box. And uh, first of all, just think every morning. Most people don't even think. That's yeah. why they don't get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're just kind of going along for the ride, and they're not making a difference, and they're not uh, pushing things to be greater and better and better and better. Let's talk about travel for a moment. I travel a lot. Uh, hence why I, uh, we accidentally find ourselves in countries that happen to have a Disney World or a Disneyland quite often and um, we just went to Dubai, Bangkok and Hong Kong Bangkok, yeah. well Bangkok's just an insane, brilliant place yeah. we were there when yeah. the, the king died and that was yeah. that was fascinating but Hong yeah. Kong, when we were there we went to, to Disney and it's one of my favourite Disneylands it could possibly be my favourite Disneyland and that's quite controversial i would imagine because it's a bit smaller than the other ones and there's slightly yeah. less there um did you have uh, you've been there haven't you yes and the castle's a lot smaller than elsewhere that bothered me <laughs> yeah but it, i think but what bothered you some of the things that bothered you you were comparing it to other places yeah that's it uh, and most 99.9 percent of those people that go to Hong Kong and never been to the others. Yeah, I mean, right. so it's everything in life's a comparison, you know. But you, that let me down, Lee. Why didn't yeah. they build a bigger castle? Why I make that? Tell you, maybe it's because the people are shorter. I'm not sure. But that's <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but I tell you, I was walking around it, and I said to my wife, "I love the feel of this part. I don't know why. I love the way that it, the way the walkways go, and the like. The feeling of it feels." different for some reason it doesn't feel as tight as some of the others and uh the next day she said to me she was reading online she said oh it was built with feng shui in mind because it's oh that's right china that's right isn't that interesting that's that's, that's exactly right i forgot about that but that's true yeah because i worked on the marriott in hong kong and we had the same issue of having to position everything just right and toward the water and toward the yeah, that was a is, real is learning. That, is learning. that quite normal uh, in terms of creative challenges? Um, when, you, when you're creating things in different areas of the world, there's a lot to consider in terms of um, cultural differences. Well, I think you just go out of your way to make sure you understand the culture before you start trying to do business in the culture because if you miss any mistakes and 
like we did in France. We didn't do a good job with the culture in the beginning and uh, with food and wine and uh, pricing and rooms, hotel rooms and stuff. So you got to really understand the culture, and that's why I love traveling because yeah. the more I travel, the more I understand the culture from different countries and the more I feel good about people from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and the perspective of your country, when you travel and you see the perspective of your own place, Britain always feels very different to me when I get back. Yeah. home and and you see yeah. the difference yeah. what do you think the biggest challenge is for you are how many days off an election at the moment five days or something i may move over to your place <laughs> i mean i might like brexit better than i like what's happening here really it's, it's this is like the total failure of leadership i mean it's a it's a it's embarrassing frankly to me to why have, well um just those two that we can't do better. We got 350 million people in this country, and we can't come up with some people that don't have a big list of bad things about them. Mm. I mean, come on, mm. nobody's going to trust either one of them, yeah. and uh, it's just sad. And that's what I tell people in leadership: be careful what you say and do, because your reputation can take you down. Mm. And uh, it's just sad. And there's a lot, you know, half the country's mad about something, and half the country's happy about something. Next thing you know, it'll be a very close race, and. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, I just may move to Canada. It's closer, so that's no, so. nice there. They do, <laughs> they do great. Or uh, New Zealand, maybe. They do great cheese on chips with uh, gravy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes they do. I know. <laughs> but so we are in a kind of a. I tell people, if you want to learn about leadership, good and bad, watch the election process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a yeah a couple of very interesting candidates there but in uh, trump particularly is a fascinating thing when when talking business and about that uh, different business styles and how he perhaps got to where he got to is yeah. Uh, yeah you just sound very miserable about it. Um, i am i mean but the brexit it used to be that i used to look at america i think america is one of the like is the finest country in the world in terms of how it's designed the blueprint is still something that i i would i would kill almost to live in america and to work in america <laughs> it's such a shame that i can't just get a job there it's, it's awful but um that said the um uh i used to look at every decision from everything happening from health to guns to the the things that make make you different from europe and the biggest controversial issues um and I used to think, well, it's very young. We are. This is the very young brother to a very, yeah. very old Europe. And since Brexit, I'm not able to take that patronising stance anymore, Lee. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've we have stepped backwards in, this, in the name of sovereignty, as if we still rule the world, and we well, don't. I, I hope it works out fine. I, we worry about Brexit too, and yeah. I worry more for the UK than. It's just I hope it works out for you. Well, I just hope that they figure out a way of, of changing it, really. Uh, you know, <laughs> undoing it, which they might. Um, so, anyway, um, look, we've, we've probably almost exhausted ourselves now, but you've had more than your fair share, probably, of success. Not fair share, you deserve the success you've had. But w what drives you to keep working? Do you mind if I ask you how old you are? 72. 72. Lee, there's there's a porch with a rocking chair, <laughs> a cigar and a whiskey with your name on it somewhere. Uh, why are you not sat on it while in the days away learning how to play the banjo? 
You know what? Because I, well, I get a lot of positive feedback about what I teach people and what they learn from me, and that's satisfying. It's invigorating. It gives me energy. Yeah. And sitting around is boring. Yeah. Let me tell you, yeah. boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I don't have a trip or I'm bored to death, you know, it's just boring. And you sit in that rocking chair. That's where you'll die one morning because you got to get up, and move around, and do something. And I still love traveling, meeting people. I do. I do seminars and speeches all over the world. I went to Australia last year. I went to Kuwait. I went to uh, uh, Portugal. Uh, all UK. I did work in up in Manchester. Oh, that's where I am. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, BetterBathrooms.com. Ah, I think I bought I, my bathroom from there. <laughs> you probably did, and I've yeah. been there two years in a row over there to do work for them and do two days of training, and wow. they were great. And I flew into Manchester and. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, it's fun. You, I learn. I get I'm smarter, and you know, when you get smarter, you get uh, you, you feel better. And uh, how do I you? Just, um, I, I I feel like the, what you've got to offer, and I I, f I feel I feel like we do similar things in diff slightly different worlds. I, I go and talk to people about how to get the best out of uh, talent in radio and uh, theater and things like that. How to treat creative people so that you can get the best out of them and you're doing that for large businesses and I, I feel like that the challenge that I have is that how are you going to get through the door you, you're never going to be invited to talk or to help at the places that are the worst that really need it do you yeah. find that you're invited by people who are you know they're 10 percent converted already and you're there to, to help them put it into practice yeah, I say, you know, people hire you for two re either education or crisis. You know, if people are really having trouble with their business, I get hired. And right. when they're wanting to get better, the comp competition's getting too severe, they want to get better. And, yeah. Or like uh, legislation, health is having to get better because the government's putting a lot of legislation on them. Mm. Education, reform. So I get a lot of work with universities and colleges. So it just depends. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, the worst companies don't usually call you because they don't even know they're that bad yet so yeah, uh, they, they wouldn't think to ask <laughs> usually not and uh, yeah. but i hear i get a lot of people read my books and then they'll call me and book me to come and work with them i was on the phone with a lady right then when you uh, called that had in a bakery business and yeah. they're getting really big and she wants me to come work with the ceo and do some training for them so up in canada wow so yeah so it just different comes in different ways different points of view and usually if the ceo doesn't want it to happen it's not going to happen yeah yeah, yeah so yeah uh, my wife and i um, have started a business, Lee. Are you ready for this? Yeah. You can you can buy a share in this and uh, franchise it if you like. We have started uh, looking after rabbits. Really? Yeah. So we have a couple of rabbits, house rabbits. I don't know whether yeah. this is a thing in America yet, but rabbits running around the house and uh, they're great, great. We did. Unfortunately, we didn't have them running around. When I was a little boy, we were very poor, and we lived with my grandmother, and my grandfather raised rabbits out oh, in the yeah. back to eat, to, to eat. eat them. To eat them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so. uh, apparently where the hutch originates. Is uh, yeah. A hutch yeah. is a, right. you, the French uh, kept them in the corner in the kitchen. In the <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, we we they're great. They're like cats and dogs, but but uh, vegetarian, so there's less smells right. around. Right. Um, very so yeah, cool. we we decided we'd convert our garage and um, started advertising, and within a month we were sold out, and we've been busy ever since. And it, it gives us enough money to go on holiday to great places yep. a couple of times a year, and it's it's brilliant. Good for you. But it's right. um, 
Yeah, it's it's great, and I think it's a wonderful feeling when when a business is successful and it starts to grow. It's it's, it's really nice, and it's a shame to see businesses become embroiled in just just bad practice where the you know maybe they've cornered the customers and and so they don't need to worry anymore about pleasing them and yeah. then they find that they start dripping off and people's lives are damaged by that i suppose aren't they? that's what happens yeah anyway there we go so um thank you lee and did sure. you did you ever get to drive the monorail i did absolutely oh. one time oh it was fun wow yeah Wow. Well, that's the most important question done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lee, thank you very much. Next time you're in Manchester, let me know and I will take you to the best best pub in the land. Good. Um, Thank you so much. I owe you a pint. Thank you very much, Lee. You take care. Check out Lee's website, leecockerell.com. Thanks, Lee. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.